Like it or not, the senior and elderly population is vulnerable to negligence committed by medical professionals, nursing home and assisted living facilities, pharmaceutical and medical device companies, insurance companies, and everyday individuals and businesses. The Injured Senior Podcast is here to help. Steve Heisler is the creator of the National Injured Senior Law Center and has been advocating for seniors' rights for over 20 years. You have questions, and Steve Heisler has answers. This is the Injured Senior Podcast. Friends, this is Steve Heisler, attorney and CEO of the National Injured Senior Law Center. Folks, bed sores and pressure ulcers are not unique to the senior and elderly population. In fact, bed sores are a big problem in nursing homes and assisted living facilities. Here today to educate us about bed sores and pressure ulcers is Martha Kelso. Now, friends, Martha Kelso is the chief executive officer of Wound Care Plus, the largest mobile wound care provider in the Midwest. Her decades of experience providing advanced wound care while being a visionary and entrepreneur in the field of mobile medicine has allowed her to pursue a relentless passion for educating others by offering trainings and lecturing nationwide. Her team of wound care specialists pride themselves on bringing advanced wound care and clinical excellence supported by evidence-based medicine to the bedside client and caregivers alike. Martha is also a published author and member of several national advisory boards. Clinical research is important to her, and she has served as principal investigator on several clinical research studies and trials. Additionally, Martha serves as an expert witness for wound litigation cases and serves as a clinical editor for two national publications. She has been a featured speaker at more than 300 educational events and is widely recognized as being a pioneer in the advanced wound care arena, working tirelessly to shape the future landscape of healthcare. Hello, Martha. How are you? I'm great, Stephen. Thank you for having me on your program. I'm really blessed to be here. And we're really blessed to have you, Martha. Now, you're an expert in advanced wound care, but if you don't mind, I want to do for today's episode, I want to kind of do an introduction to bed sores, introduction to wound care, if that's okay. So let me ask you, what exactly is a pressure ulcer or a bed sore? I think that's such a, a great question because starting with the basics is how we start layering the foundations of knowledge. So when I think about a bed sore, and this even goes back to when I first started my career 30 years ago, a bed sore traditionally is a sore at the most basic level, a sore that's caused from laying in bed too long, not being turned, maybe the wrong mattress. And so when I think all the way back to the beginning of my career, first hearing that term bed sore, what they were really referring to was somebody that laid in bed too long and then developed sores because of it. Pressure can be some of the same, but not always. And so it's why it's so important to distinguish 
the old nomenclature of Bensor and kind of update to the new pressure ulcer or pressure injury uh, nomenclature. Pressure injuries can occur from the inside out for some of the deeper level wounds, but they can also be from extrinsic forces like friction or shearing, prolonged pressure, maybe sitting on a surface too long with the wrong surface, maybe not having a pressure relieving surface that we're laying on. But we do recognize now that some of those pressure injuries can occur from the inside out in people that are not healthy or that have failing skin or tissue. Okay, so you can have a bed sore and that is a form of a pressure ulcer? That is correct. Okay. And, you know, all bed sores are pressure ulcers, but not all pressure ulcers are bed sores, correct? You got it. Okay. Can you tell our listeners how serious, how significant a bed sore can be? Bed sores can be so significant that they can result in deterioration of the skin and the tissue all the way down to bone. And then, of course, they can become infected. That infection can lead to sepsis. Sepsis can lead to complete organ failure and eventually death. The challenge is people that end up with bed sores and pressure ulcers or injuries usually are not healthy to begin with. And so they're somewhat predisposed to wounds. A very good friend of mine, uh, Dr. Bryce Schuster, has a saying where he talks about wounds being a barometer of health. And so you think about how do you develop a bed sore? Well, you have to be in bed. Well, why are you in bed? Well, I've had a stroke or I'm physically not able to get up or I had a period of, of illness where I wasn't able to get up and move as much as I do in the past. Bed sores, of course, can also be caused from multifactorial issues like medication. Some medications predispose people to wounds. Some medications cause wounds. So I think it's a, a myriad of issues. So it's not most people or I guess the general public, when they hear bed sores, they think that somebody who just, you know, laid in bed for a, a significant period of time. And then all of a sudden, you know, they, they have this infection or they have this sore. And what you're saying is that there's a lot more that goes into that than just the person maybe just being sedentary in one position for a, a long period of time. Is that correct? That's correct. And so I always think about, you know, I've, I've had the flu before where I was in bed for three or four days. I didn't develop a wound. But yet if you take someone who's elderly or elderly plus comorbid medical conditions like diabetes, incontinence, polypharmacy, multiple medications, and put them in the same scenario as me. Now they have influenza for three or four days. They developed a wound. I didn't. Why? And it goes back to what are the underlying conditions of me versus the, the senior client that did develop wounds. And so those predisposing conditions kind of create that perfect storm that result in skin failure or tissue breakdown due to prolonged rest. I think something else that is different between the start of my career versus now, we used to restrain people and we used to restrain people in bed because we thought it was good for them. We didn't want them to fall. And so you fast forward to 
you know, the millennium 2020 and beyond. And we've practically eliminated restraints in the long-term care setting. At the same time, people are living longer through the miracles of modern medicine. And so they're living longer with sicker and sicker and sicker diseases that 20 years ago would have killed them. And so you think about, we're not using restraints now, but we still have wounds that are growing and we're not tying them down to bed. Why? And it is because we're living longer with more comorbid medical conditions or diseases. Got it. So the senior elderly population, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what I'm hearing is that seniors and elderly individuals have got, they come along with comorbidities and and issues that make them more susceptible to getting bed sores if they're in a position or in one, one position for a long period of time. Is that what I'm hearing from you? Well, correct, but they may also have other thyroid disorder, hypertension, kidney disease, diabetes, poor nutrition, malnutrition, undernutrition, incontinence. And so it's it's more about the underlying comorbid medical conditions. And it can't just be, it's usually not just one or two conditions. It's usually multiple that go into skin failure or tissue failure, lack of perfusion, lack of blood flow to that tissue. People that smoke for 10 years versus people that smoke for 40, the people that smoke longer, they're probably going to develop the wounds. The people that didn't smoke as long in their lifetime probably aren't going to develop as many wounds. Got it. And so just thinking about the lifespan of that person that's developing wounds and all of those things still contribute. Even if they quit smoking 10 years ago, they may already have significant arterial disease or lung damage, you know, from, from the ongoing smoking that occurred for decades in their life. Right. So in a nursing home or assisted living facility setting, would it be fair to say that you're probably going to see a fair amount of bed sores or pressure ulcers? I think that's a fair statement. I, I want to add one more statement to that. I think it's a fair assumption to say that the majority of people in assisted living and long-term care are predisposed for wounds also. Right. And, and I think sometimes that gets missed. They came here, they don't have a wound. They didn't have a wound for two years, then they developed one. Yes, but if I look at your medical history, your medications, you know, if I look at all of your risk factors for developing a wound, they were probably predisposed from day one. And so then you think about, okay, if we operate under that assumption, what interventions are we putting in place to prevent wounds from developing? So what would be some protocols that an assisted living facility or a nursing home should be doing upon entry or, or admission of a senior or elderly person, you know, into their facility? That's a really great question. The one thing that I think goes missed nationwide is most of those buildings have access to a PharmD, a doctor of pharmacology. We don't ask our doctors of pharmacology to look at the medications to see if there's any that we can eliminate from a polypharmacy multi-drug standpoint that may cause wounds. Or 
if this drug does cause a wound, is there an alternative medication that we can put them on that doesn't cause wounds? Or if this medication is known to cause skin failure, number one, do we absolutely have to have that medication? And then number two, is there an alternate medication? And so I don't even find it talked about or educated enough about even at a national setting. So if I had one wish from this podcast, it would be getting a PharmD involved, also getting those registered dietitians involved. How is mom's albumin status? How is dad's protein intake? Is he meeting the caloric needs and the protein needs of his body to keep his skin functioning and, and healthy? If he really likes sweets and he's not going to eat protein, is there an alternative food that we can put in front of him that would help? And then also making sure that we're checking and assessing the skin, but looking at predisposing factors. And what do I mean by that? Oftentimes, you know, maybe mom fell at home, broke her hip, went to the hospital, had surgery. We know that prolonged surgeries predispose them for tissue breakdown. But at the time that a wound or skin issue occurs at the level of the bone, it can take three to five days, maybe even longer, seven to 10 days for it to work its way out for us to see it with the naked eye. So also recognizing that sometimes wounds have already occurred that we just can't see yet because it's working its way from inside out. So if you recognize that, are we checking them every shift head to toe for the first week or two so that we can identify those skin issues or wound issues up front and early and get early interventions in place so that we can mitigate the damage of that tissue. So, you know, if I've got my mother or father in a nursing home or in an assisted living facility, I just take for granted that they know what they're doing, that, you know, they're the experts, this is what they do, that these are things that should be checked out or things that should be covered before admitting, you know, my loved one. And are you telling me that really they're not doing all the things that they should be doing? You know, I, what's funny is years ago in the 90s, I went to LPN school. And in my year training at LPN school, we had zero wound care training in nursing school, zero training. And then the second I graduated, I actually worked at a hospital for several years and I can remember somebody said, okay, it's time to go do Mrs. Jones's wound care. And I thought, I don't know. I have no idea how to do her wound care. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and, but at the same time, it was that feeling, well, okay, but I'm a nurse. I should know. You know what? I'm going to go do it. And so I can remember going into a room, doing wound care, and really having no idea what I was doing. And reaching out to my preceptor nurse and saying, hey, can you come help me? And she'd say, I'm not a wound nurse. I don't know how to do that. But you've been a nurse for 20 years. Doesn't mean I'm a wound nurse. I don't know what I'm doing. And so I, I find sometimes that we assume that all nurses know wound care and that all doctors know wound care. Most doctors don't get wound care training in doctor school either. They're taught wet to dry, which is a very old, antiquated, I mean, it's been around for centuries. Or they're using Dakins. We use Dakins in the in the you know in Civil War time. People are still using Dakins today. And so, what you said, bacon? Uh, great question. Dakins. D A 
D-A-K-I-N apostrophe S. It's essentially watered down bleach. Oh my and God. some people are, it's cytotoxic. And so wound care is more than just, well, you have a license or a degree, go do it. It's what are we doing and why? And so I think if we, if I was sitting with loved ones that have clients or patients with wounds, I would ask the why of wound care. Why are you choosing this treatment? Why does my mother have a wound? And I think the why is so important. Don't tell me what to do. Tell me why we're doing it. On my website, I developed a document. And it's a two-page document. It's a checklist. And anybody can go there and download it for free. They don't have to even register. I don't, I don't collect your email addresses or anything. But that document is called the Comprehensive Alternative Risk Factor Tool. So any loved one, any nurse, doctor can go there, download that tool and see very quickly, does my mother have thyroid medicine, hypertension, you know, heart disease, history of smoking, you know, skin impairment. It's a checklist. The more check marks that are on that tool, the greater the risk that they're going to develop a wound, even if the assisted living or nursing home is doing everything correct. So this is important. So if mom comes in and only has three check boxes, her risk of developing a wound is incredibly low. So if she does develop a wound, then I would start to suspect, were they doing something that they shouldn't have been? Or should they have been doing something that they didn't? If mom's risk is super duper high, lots of check marks, that's fine. But then you know up front, they're going to develop a wound. What things are we doing? Is there a mattress in place? Do you have mom on a restorative program so she can stay mobile as long as possible? How is her nutrition? Are we monitoring it? Has a doctor of pharmacology reviewed her medications to see what she really needs versus what we really don't need? I don't know if that helps. It, it really helps. I mean, that is really important. So there are a couple things there. One, is I think the lay person or the the child or parent or sibling of somebody who's in a nursing home or assisted living facility, they don't have the knowledge, you know, to be able to question what they're being told by a doctor or by a nurse or by, you know, a staff member. What you're saying is that they can get these crucial and vital tools and get, get the knowledge just by downloading the document that you're that you're talking about to help them be able to at least uh, stay in the game and mm -hmm. do their best to either limit their loved one's chance of getting a bed sore or if a bed sore is developed, find out what it was or what led to that happening. Correct. And I think that is so important. There's no question about it. At this time, could you just Give our readers your website information so they can get that document because I think that's the real jewel out of this episode is, is their ability to be able to have this with them when they're navigating the assisted living facility or nursing home process. Sure. It's www.mywoundcareplus.com, all spelled out. My woundcareplus.com. And there's a, a page called the online library. The online library has a bunch of 
free resources and tools. There's even some training videos and uh, competencies. Uh, I try to keep it up to date with best practice standards. Uh, Dr. Janice Bites published the pharmacological impact of medications on wounds. And that document is on our website. It's a, a PubMed review of every document that talks about wounds and medications. And she compiled it into one document. So you can clearly see that antihypertensive medications, for example, delay wound healing or chemotherapeutic agents may cause wounds, for example. And so it's in one, one succinct document. Wow, that's, that is really great information, Martha. Yeah. Let me ask you this, and I'm sorry for interrupting. Are there situations where despite the best efforts of the, the experts and the caregivers, um, the nursing home staff, where a senior or elderly individual is still going to develop a bed sore? Yes, we call those, so the, t- the two that come to mind the quickest is your skin changes at life's end, so a life's end wound, they're dying, and so there's not enough blood flow, oxygenation, and nutrients getting to the tissue for the tissue to stay alive. And so I qualify that kind of like thinking about putting a rubber band on the end of your fingertip but not taking the rubber band off. That tissue will die. And so when somebody's at their life's end and the body is failing, the skin will fail. This is an unavoidable type of wound. We refer to those as life's end ulcer or a Kennedy terminal ulcer. There's several different uh, terminologies out there that kind of refer to that same thing. Those are unavoidable. We can't prevent it when they're in that life's end. The other jewel or nugget that I kind of want to pass on, and this is a big deal. We currently treat about 2,500 wounds a week, give or take. And so you think about that in the terms of a year, two years, three years, four years time. Those are huge numbers. 90% of wounds are misdiagnosed or misstaged by the time they get to my company. Wow. 90%. And so if I had to give you an average or an estimate, about 25% of wounds are actual pressure. And so if I think about a building, looking at their quality reports, and they have 12 wounds in the building, if six wounds are listed as pressure, they have a problem. And that problem is either they're misdiagnosed or they're growing wounds. It's one of the two. But 90% of the time, they're misdiagnosed. So there's several articles that I've written. One of them is on our website about making sure that you're getting the right etiology. If you're calling a wound pressure and you are getting pressure off that wound, the wound should heal. Logic, right? Right. If, if the wound is really primary etiology pressure and you offload the wound and get pressure off the wound, it should heal in a reasonable amount of time. If it's not healing or showing signs of healing, it's probably not pressure to begin with. And so going back to families asking questions, mom has an arterial wound. Okay, what are we doing about it? We sent her out to a vascular surgeon. Okay, what's he doing about it? He's going to see if she's a surgical candidate to have blood restored, right? That's logical. Mom has a pressure wound. What are we doing about it? 
We're offloading with a mattress or floating of the heels. Great. Three weeks from now, how's mom's wound doing? It's not getting any better. Well, I thought you were keeping pressure off of it. We are. Well, then how do you know it's pressure? So that's that's a clue, right? I mean, that's yeah, a, clue a clue right there as to yeah. whether it's a bed sore, whether it's another type of ulcer, like you said, mm-hmm. it's such as an arterial ulcer or something of a sort. Martha, we're kind of coming down to the end of the show. I do want to ask you another question sure. because I might, I probably should have asked this earlier, but how can a, a, a loved one of an individual, of a senior or elderly individual that is, is in a nursing home or an assisted living facility or just with any caregiver for that sake, how can they identify whether somebody actually has a pressure ulcer or a bed sore? I mean, how can they distinguish that from something other than that, you know, such as squamous cell carcinoma or some type of a skin cancer or, you know, something of that sort? How can the family or how can the nurse at the building? No, the family. The, the nurse should staff? be able to, but you're right. Well, or, the, the family can't because they're not trained in assessments. They can't run in there with a punch biopsy and biopsy the, <laughs> you know, the area themselves. But what they can do is ask the right questions and then common sense goes a long way. So if, if you feel like they've done everything, the staff, if you feel like the staff has done everything they should be and it's still not healing, asking those why questions. And I, I think the greatest, if I, if I could gift family members one thing, I would say, don't be afraid to look at the area, the wound yourself. Because sometimes you, the family is up on things that medical staff maybe doesn't. They know their loved one better than anybody else in the world. I understand that sometimes wounds make people nauseated, but if you're the one that gets nauseated, find a family member that doesn't, that can kind of be your eyes and ears and help you ask the right questions. Get involved. Don't wait for the buildings to call and communicate with you. Be proactive and set expectations. If you know that there's a wound specialist coming out once a week looking at her, say, I expect a phone call by the end of the day. I want to see their progress notes. Send me a copy. I want to see what that wound looks like. And I always think that lots of minds coming together is better than one mind looking at it by themselves. That takes a village to heal a wound, right? Yeah. (laughs) Well, look, you know, our loved ones, you know, are, uh, you know, are the most precious thing that we have. So I think one thing I've really gotten from this uh, episode is that I cannot expect a caregiver or a nursing home staff member or an assisted living facility member to 100% be always looking out, you know, for pressure ulcers or bed sores or prevention of these things. You know, they've got other issues and a lot of times they're overstaffed. So you need to be, you being the loved one, you need to be in their in their face to make sure that uh, that they know that you know that they're being watched is that that, or Mm -hmm. not so much that they're being watched but you know that there's somebody looking out for this person and and you know anything that ordinarily might go undetected is not going to go undetected here because you're going to be on top of that i find that people feel guilty for asking questions well i don't want to upset them i don't want to offend them and i always say it's your job 
The job of the family member is to ask questions and police and be the loved one. Not that we want to storm in there and strong arm and have a fit and throw things, but it is your job to ask those questions. And if the person that you're asking gets upset or offended, you know, there's everybody has a boss. I would just keep going until you get the, the answers or the questions that you're looking for. I can remember telling my mom when my dad was very, very sick and she kept saying, I feel bad asking the doctor questions. And I looked at her and said, mom, if he dies, they'll have another patient in this seat, in this waiting room to take his spot. You'll still be without your husband. Yeah. That's good stuff. That really is good mm -hmm. stuff, Martha. Martha, God, this, this uh, 30 minutes really flew by. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, wait a minute, didn't we just start? Um, by the way, this is episode one for me. So thank you for getting me through this. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having this fun. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, you're the guinea pig on, on episode number one, but uh, you came through with flying colors. Yeah. So thank you so much for educating our listeners today about bed sores and pressure ulcers. Now, if any of our listeners want to obviously they, if they want to get that document that you're referring to that they're going to need to help in in the war against bed sores for their loved one if you could just repeat the website address and any other social media whatever that they can go to to be able to get more information about you what, what would that be yeah i appreciate that our website is www.mywoundcare plus.com you can find us on instagram facebook twitter linkedin and we did just publish a, a document about what pressure is and what it is not and so that's currently out on our social media sites we'll end up uploading that eventually to our website uh, but that's a great document to start with that kind of gives the basics of pressure ulcers versus not pressure ulcers and maybe even some of those questions or thought processes to ask yeah it was great i read it and it was it was very helpful so oh, uh, yeah that's that's definitely something they want to put their eyes on and if somebody wants to use your services you have basically the largest wound care service business in the midwest and so if they want to use your services do they get in touch with you by email or is there a phone number or, or what? The best way to get in touch with us is our office number, which is 888-256-3814. And the, the customer service liaison that answers the phone can get them in touch with the most appropriate person for their region or territory or situation. Uh, we don't go to homes. And so we are able to help people sometimes connect with people that can help them in their current situation, even if it's not us. We want everybody to have access to quality wound care. And I think that's your mission in life is to make sure that that occurs. And you are, you're doing a great job so far, Martha. Thank you, Steve. It's my pleasure. Listen, I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much. Stay safe. We're in the throes of COVID-19. So do everything you can to stay safe. And we'll be talking. We're going to have you on some additional shows because there's so much more that we can talk about regarding uh, bed sores and pressure ulcers. So again, thank you so much. And we'll be talking to you soon. Okay. Thanks, Steve. All right. Thanks so much. Folks, that's it for now. If you have a story to tell about your experience with bed sores or pressure ulcers, 
or you want to get in contact with me to discuss a potential case or somebody develop bed sores in an assisted living facility or nursing home and you have questions, feel free to email me at info at injuredseniorhotline.com. Talk to you soon, guys and gals, and stay safe. Take care now. Thanks for listening to the Injured Senior Podcast with Steve H. Heisler. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share on Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. To find out more or to get help anytime, go to InjuredSeniorHotline.com or call 855-622-6530. We'll see you next time.